Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Family, let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you that we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person and that each and every person will get something out of the message today that they can use. They can use it and make their lives better. God, not years from now or months from now, not weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. If you would, please lift your Bibles and say this confession with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person. God has created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. You know, fam, I'm going to start a family. I'm going to start off by telling you, you know, I had a wonderful Christmas with my family. Did you have a wonderful Christmas? I hope you did. I got on, got on one of my gifts, see my, see my Grinch socks. Can you see my, my Grinch socks? Yeah, I, I, like, I like my Grinch socks. And uh, I was, as I was opening one of my gifts, which came from my son Benjamin and his family, he, le- he leans over to me, quick Smith story, he leans over to me and he says, I says, thanks, son, I, I really like this. He leans over to me, he goes, Dad, I... I want it to be more, though. And I was like, I I like this. He said, no, but you don't get it. He says, I want it to be more like, that's a gift, but I want it to be something like a trip. Y'all, I turned to him and broke out into exuberant prayer. I was like, bless him, Lord. Thank you, God. I want you to take him uh, and take his desire of it harder and make it real. Trips for his parents in Jesus' name. Cars for his parents in Jesus' name. Condos on the beach in his, oh, in Jesus' name for his parents. Money for his parents in Jesus' name. Bless him. Grow him. Grow his tents for his parents uh, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, Jesus. Bless him right now. Holy Lord. Thank you. He was laughing. I said, like, I'm serious. I stretched my hand so close to his head and just went to praying. It might have sound joking, but every word was serious. That's the desire. Bless him, Lord. Bless him. Thank you, Jesus. Give it to him, Lord. Man, I was. I went back to my Baptist roots, boy. I was hooping up in that thing. Sucking up all the oxygen. 
Yes, Lord. Come on, Jesus. But you know what? That's a, that's a prayer. Every time, listen, as a parent, every time your child say something like that, bless him, Lord. You want to do what for me? Come through Jesus. I ain't no shame in my game. Hey, you sown seed for that. If your child want to bless you, God, bless me. God, give them the ability to bless me to the depth that their heart wants to bless me and then some. So I received all that trips for your parents as a gift in Jesus holy name. Family, we started a new series today. Soon enough. And this first slide just has two simple letters on it. And I want you to know it's something that is something that we have expressed before, but it's been a while, so I need to go ahead and prime you again. The message today is rated MN. That's M for mature and N for necessary. So we need for each and every person in here to make sure you can, you can, you can take a little moment and check if you have to, just do it discreetly to make sure you got your big boy britches on and your big girl britches on because today's message is not for the faint of heart. We begin with Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3 begins with a verse 1 that we're very familiar with. We have it here in two versions, three versions. The King James says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. The Message Bible says, there is an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on the earth. The voice version translation says, the teacher says this, for everything that happens in life, there is a season, a right time for everything under heaven. This convey, loved ones, is that the pendulum of life is always swinging. Life always has moments where you go from happy to sad, from up to down. Times where the world goes from peace to war. Times where you go from feeling that everything is right with you to struggling to try to find one thing that's right with you. The pendulum of life. This says that to everything there is a season. And if you were to go through all the verses, it would just simply tell you that the life pendulum is always swinging. Psalms 23 and verse 4 says something very particular in the King James Version. Psalms 23 is very familiar to all of us. The thing about this, though, 
is as that pendulum of life continues to swing, you have those peaks. And we're good with the peaks. But in the valley is where we have our, where we have our problems. And in the valleys, the 23rd Psalm says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is present with us all the time, loved ones. As the pendulum of life swings, he's there. When you're at the top of the mountain, he's there. When you're in the deepest, darkest valley, he's there. God is always there. Although God is there, though, tell me if you don't believe this, we can find it hard to believe he can possibly be present when we are at our lowest. But he is. Why do we find it hard to believe? Because we sing about his grace. We sing about his loving kindness. We preach about the God who's going to meet our needs. We preach and we teach it and we read it in the Bible. Keep in mind that that is God. Yet he does allow those valleys in our life. And during those times where he's where we're in the valley, guess who's also there with us, who's present with us? God. This has been an unprecedented couple of years in our country. People have lost loved ones. People have lost jobs. People have lost businesses. People have lost hope. Keep in mind that what we are experiencing right now is not unfamiliar territory to many parts of the world. We have lived and continue to live in a blessed nation. Now, during the time where we have situations that challenge, yes, our faith, and the fact that God is present, those are our valleys. We all are in or have gone through that valley. Say this with me. Our God, our Heavenly Father, is gracious. He sent His Son to pay the price for our sins. Yet that same God allows valley points in our lives. The same God, not a different God. The same God. When we enter into those valleys... I have a term for those valleys. I call them your moments of waiting. In those valleys, you have situations or circumstances that are surrounding you that cause you to, well, look at this image. You have moments of waiting and in those moments of waiting, what are you waiting on God to do? You're waiting on God to show his favor. You're waiting on God to turn the situation around. 
you're waiting on God to manifest his promises. When you're doing these things during this mo these moments of waiting, a common reaction or response during these times is to basically ask, where is God? I mean, where is God in all this? The God I read about in, in my Bible says that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Where is that God? My Bible tells me that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Hey, 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 where is that God? My Bible tells me that Jesus came so I can have the abundant life to the full, to the brim, until it overflows. Hey, 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 where is that God? God, where is your provision? I'm your child, where that? You own a cattle on a thousand hills. Look, I seem to have, as Pastor John Acker would say, more month than money. <laughs> Why don't you go and sell some of those cattle and break me off a little something, something? God, when I look at when I look at my bills, my bills are longer than my green. What about those riches in heaven? Can you flow some of them my way? You want me to live the abundant life. Hey, guess what? I'm ready to live it. Somehow it seems to be, you know, going around me, though. Where is God in all that? Where is the God who healeth me? Where are you? Because every time I get my checkup, the report is the same. Every time I, I wake up, I feel the same pain. All of these things happen during those moments of waiting. Hmm, the desires of my heart. I'm ready for those. The Bible says you are the God that will give me the desires of my heart. Hey, I haven't moved. I'm still here. I'm ready for the desires of my heart to be met. God, I'm still waiting on that wife. Hey, I'm, I'm still waiting on that husband. Th think, think about it. God, I've been to my college roommate wedding. Hey, God, I've been to my best friend's Jimmy's wedding. God, my uncle Buster just got married. And you know nobody can't live with him. You mean to tell me that you can get a wife and I can't get a spouse? Where, where, God, during those moments of waiting, you asking God, where, where are you? Not just where are you, because I can see other people getting blessed. Where are you for me? Somewhere in these 66 books and somewhere I heard my pastor tell me, God, that you will surround me with favor as with a shield. 
I haven't seen that favor in a while. God, where are you? Those, that's, that's what you ask when you're in those moments of waiting, when you're in, the, in that valley. God, where are you? Have you forgotten about me? God, are you ignoring me? God, am I still your child? Are you still my daddy? Those questions are not unlike the questions that David asked in this psalm. Listen to how David asked these questions. When you look at this Psalm 13 in the easy to read version, the cries that we make to God during our moments of waiting. Listen to how David raised his question to God, starting in verse one. David says, how long will you forget me, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you refuse to accept me? Stop right there. God, how, how long will you forget me? That's someone that's crying out from the valley. That's someone who has a relationship with God, but is experiencing such, such let's call it loneliness for the, for the lack of a better term, in life, a feeling of being so alone that they're asking, God, is it possible that you have forgotten me? How long will you forget me, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you refuse to accept me? He goes on to say this. How long must I wonder if you if you have forgotten me, have forgotten me? How long must I feel this sadness in my heart? How long will my enemy win against me? Lord, my God, look at me and give me an answer. God, talk to me. God. Have you guys ever, ever heard that that song? It's me, oh Lord, standing. I'm standing in the need of prayer. The song even goes on to say, not my mother, not my father, but God is me. Crying out from the valley. How long? Give me an answer. Make me feel strong again or I will die. God, I know that the Bible says that I will go through challenges. I know that it says persecutions will come. But God, how long? Now, this is the easy to read version. I'm going to show you something in the message version in a minute. The easy to read versions and other translations similar to it poses these words to God as a question. There's a different style that the author takes in the message translation. Oh, it asks God 
something with the same eagerness and attitude that I think, well, I know it fits my personality. It asks it from, from the standpoint of somebody who's not just merely asking a question, but almost making a demand of God. God, can you tell me, can you put a date and time on this thing? Because family, when you are in the valley, you can read about the valley. I can look at you in the valley. I can have casual experience with the valley. But when you living in the valley, when you go, when you the one going through, that's a whole different kind of pressure right there. That's a whole different kind of thought process that gets you to think certain things about God that you thought you would never think. When you're in the valley, when you are in these moments of waiting. Listen to the message Bible. The first three words going to hit you. Long enough, God, you've ignored me long enough. Now, God, I know you are, you are almighty. And I know you don't answer to me. And I know you can see it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing here in need of prayer. But doggone it, this is long enough. This long enough? You have ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Are you sure that your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life? Are you sure that you are the ever-present God? I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough, I've carried this ton of trouble. Live with a stomach full of pain. Long enough, my arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. Long enough. Take a good look at me, God. My God, I want to look life in the eye. If each and every one of us were honest. Go back, go back to the first first verse here. If each and every one of us were honest. We have done that kind of interrogation with God. Something has happened in your life where you have puffed out your chest and you have interrogated God. Are you ignoring me? What is this I'm seeing? This is not what I'm supposed to get as your child. Long enough. If we were honest, we've, we've brought this same debate to God. And even if we've never said this out loud, if you truly were honest, you've brought this to God silently within your heart. Why? Why didn't it work for me? It worked for my mama and daddy. Why didn't it work for me? It worked for my neighbor. Why didn't it work for me? It worked for them over there. And they don't even go to church. 
It's rated MN, right? It's both mature and necessary. Why is it working for your quote unquote non-child and it's not working for your child? Regardless of the Bible translation, what we've read here in Psalms 13 for David, it's the same sentiment that we have. And it boils down to two basic questions. Observe these questions. Because the message remains the same. Question one, God, have you forgotten about me? And question two, when are you going to turn my situation around? Those are the basic questions. Obviously, the answers are straightforward. The answer to number one is no. God has not forgotten about you. He's still there. Now, the answer to number two, though, is one that's a little hard to swallow. It's one that we really need to grasp our faith to actually receive. Here's the answer to that second question. The answer to the question of God, when are you going to turn my situation around, is this. God will turn your situation around soon enough. That is hard to swallow, isn't it? Because the faith that many of us grew up in is a faith that, whether we want to believe it or not, prompts us to believe that we can move God, that we can accelerate his timing, that, God, if we can find one spot in the Bible where something happened that fits my situation, I can quote that and you will do that exact same thing for me. But the truth of the matter is, God will turn that situation around soon enough. Now, obviously, there is no date or time to soon enough, is there? You can't, you can't point to soon enough on a calendar. You can't, you know, put soon enough on a specific point in your cell phone calendar. Soon enough is soon enough. And obviously the Bible is full of people who waited on their soon enough. When you think about the Old Testament, Abraham waited on Isaac and his wait time was soon enough. The children of Israel were in Egypt in bondage and their wait time was was soon enough. Mary and Martha waiting on Jesus to come and help their brother Lazarus and his arrival time was was soon enough. Each of these accounts saw a day of manifestation. There was a date and time that soon enough came and soon enough arrived. 
but the time period for soon enough varied for each one. For Lazarus, soon enough was days. For Abraham waiting on Isaac, it was a couple of decades. Guess what? For the children of Israel in Egypt, it was hundreds of years. The period of time for soon enough varies. And it can vary widely. I want you to look at this image because God is in control, loved ones. He's in control of if and he's in control of when. And there is nothing that we can do because neither you nor I can force God's hand on anything. Nevertheless, there is something that we can definitely do. Here's what we can do. I want you to say this with me. We can definitely do this. Ready? Go. We can avoid being a hindrance to our own due season. Yeah, you can't. You, you can't. I'm not saying that there isn't there are any things that we, things that we do that and we'll talk about those things that, you know, can influence the situation. But we can't we can't move God, so to speak. But we can avoid being our own hindrance. Let's let's chat about that real quick, because this right here, this statement this statement was the reason we spent so many sessions talking about the fact that you cannot, you cannot, you should not, don't do, live your life trying to straddle the fence. I'm talking about trying to straddle the fence, that fence between God and your flesh, that fence between God and the world, that, 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 that fence between God and, you know, your old way of doing and, and acting and being. This is what James chapter one, verse five through eight in the King James reason in the King James version says. Because when you put yourself in that straddle position, what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the position to block the manifestation of what you seek. Listen to what James says. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God and ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him, given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and toss. Family, read this with me. Go. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We, we, we like to look past that verse 7. Verse 7 makes a statement that says there is a certain kind of man that shouldn't even think that he should receive anything from God. Easy to read version. Same verses. Say this. 
Do any of you need wisdom? Ask God for it. He is generous and enjoys giving to everyone. So he will give you wisdom. Okay, now see, we, we, we say, we, we, we like to grab that. God is going to give us wisdom. But we can't claim that without reading the next verses. But when you ask, you must believe. But when you ask God, you must believe. Don't doubt him. Whoever doubts is like a wave in the sea that is blown up and down by the wind. People like that are thinking two different things at the same time. They can never decide what to do. So they should not think they will receive anything from the Lord. Listen to Hebrews on that point. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, in both the King James and the Message Bible. King James says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Message Bible says this. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both, both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Have you have you ever have you ever ran across somebody that say, I believe in God. I believe in God. Yeah, you believe in God, but do you believe what the Bible says about your God? Yeah, I believe in God, but do you believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond? In James, when it says this, it says, people like that, starting back at verse 7, James chapter one, verse seven, people like that are thinking two different things at the same time. They can never decide what to do. Effectively, here's how I put this. They can never decide whether to really believe God or not. James chapter one, verses five through eight in the message Bible. Listen to this. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the father. He loves to help. You will get his help and won't be condescended when you ask for it. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. Say without a second thought. When he's talking about without a second thought, we're talking about, you know, you are believing God to start your business while at the same time believing God, believing God for that. You're still thinking to and looking at the statistic to say most most new businesses fail. You're having a second thought. You are doing this. You're believing God to get into that college, but at the same time, buying into the propaganda that people like you drop out of the program. You're having second thoughts. You are believing God to add another child to your family. But at the same time, 
believing all the news that says you don't make enough money to afford another mouth to feed. Or even this, you want to even start a family. But you're listening to all the naysayers say, you're too old to begin a family. You're having second thoughts. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. They don't think, don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at the sea, keeping all your options open. In other words, you're confessing to be all in with God, but you feverishly continue to work on a plan B. How do you work on a plan B if you're completely all in with God? You're being your own hindrance to your own due season. Last one. Look at James chapter one, verses five through eight in the voice. This will come up on your screen. It says. All the wisdom needed for this journey, then all you have to do will grant all that you need. He gives lavishly and never scolds you for asking. The key is that your request be anchored by your single minded commitment to God. Anchored. Those who depend only on their own judgment are like those lost on the seas, carried away by any wave or picked up by any wind. Those adrift on their own wisdom shouldn't assume the Lord will rescue them or bring them anything. The splinter of divided loyalty shatters your compass and leaves you dizzy and confused. It says divided loyalty. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 24, Amplified Classic, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. That is why family it is so important that you do not take the position to straddle the fence. You have to choose God and be all in with God. God is oh so serious about us choosing him completely. It is paramount also during those moments of waiting that we do not have minds and hearts that waver. I'm going to share with you a smithism. Something that this one, I have I have never come close to sharing this with you. But it's very appropriate as we enter into this next. Phase of of, of life. I know we like to look at calendars chronologically, so we're exiting one year, entering another year. But for for for, for God, you know, the Bible says a thousand years is like a day. But this one is very appropriate, and I hope it I hope it sticks with you, not today, but for the rest of your life. It's going to challenge your religion. 
But if you let it soak in, I guarantee you, you're going to find it true. When the statement is before you, there are going to be elements that are going to be kind of hovering in almost like shout out bubbles. We're not going to read that part at first. We're going to read the Smithism just straight. Let's read it together. Read. God never gives up. He, he, God never gives up. He never gives in either. God never gives up. He never gives in either. Now, I want you to read it with me with the bubbles. Ready, go. God never gives up on you. He never gives in to you either. What we do is we conjure up in ourselves. And it's, it's listen, it's true. God never gives up on you. And we say God never gives up on you. And then we 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 extrapolate to. And so he going to do everything I want him to do. The fact of the matter is God never gives up on you, but he also has a standard. He also has expectations. He also he also has certain certain Commands, if you want to, if you want to call, if, if, we, if we can throw that word out without anybody getting a little touchy. He has expectations. As a disciple of Christ, there are certain things that should be displayed in our life. So, yeah, God never gives up on you. And yeah, we can shout about that. And yeah, we can expect and we should expect God to do stuff for us. But guess what? He's never going to he's never going to be. What scripture says, he's never going to be mocked. He's not going to just throw pearls before swine. God never, never gives up on you, but he never gives in to your foolishness either. So do not be your own hindrance. You can't. Ask and ask and expect and expect and, and be like a ship tossed. You can't expect and expect and expect. And guess what? Not ask in faith. You can't expect and expect and expect. And guess what? Come to God, but not really believe that he is. In those moments of waiting, sometimes it can feel like, why am I still in the moments of waiting? The bottom line is only God knows. But we can be a hindrance to our own deliverance. The critical step is choosing God and electing to genuinely be led by his spirit. Any other position that you take, you could be a hindrance to your own due season. Now, can God show you grace and mercy? Can he turn it around regardless of what you do and regardless of what I do? Yeah. Of course he can do that, but that's on him. 
what we are to do is to do our part. And what is that? Say this with me. We just need to do our part and avoid being the roadblock to our own due seasons. That's a mature message for you. But it's necessary. The pendulum of life, loved ones, will swing. I'm not immune to it, and you're not immune to it. When that pendulum swings to a valley, God is still there. The same God that's with you in the peak is the same God that's with you in the valley. And don't beat yourself up when you ask that question of God. Quite frankly, coming to him with questions is what he expects. I've asked the question, God, how long? But the bottom line is, his answer is, I am there and your due season is soon enough. That's where your scripture comes in, that all things work together for the good. It's not all things work together for the good as long as I can see the good. It's all things works together for the good because God will work all things out for the good, period. So during the moments of waiting, let's not be our own hindrance. Our job is to put two feet in God and believe. His job is to do the rest. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you that each and every person here, first and foremost, I pray that they have accepted your gift of salvation that came through your son. They've been engrafted into the family of God. That being the case, my next prayer is that they hold firm to the faith and they're not driven by what they see around them. But their driving force is what's in your word and the unctions of the Holy Spirit that reside on the inside of them. Indeed, there are moments in our lives that challenge us and that we would prefer we not go through. But even as we go through, God, we thank you that you are with us to guide and to comfort us. Our part is to come to you in faith and believe that you are the God who's always there. And trust that you have our due season in your hand. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. 
God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.